Uh, hey everyone, it's Russ, and welcome to another episode of Women's Retirement Radio. Uh, today, I'm excited to be joined by Corey Rick. Uh, hey, Corey, how are you? I'm great, Russ. How are you doing today? Doing good, thanks. Um, and so, Corey's joining me today to talk uh, about an important topic that is part of this ongoing series that I'm working on around caregiving. And uh, as you can probably imagine, uh, when you're thrust into a caregiving role, whether that's for a spouse or an aging parent, you Maybe you don't have a lot of time to plan ahead. It, you're probably kind of more in reaction mode. Um, but in the event that uh, you do have the option to think and plan ahead, uh, clearly the economics, the finances, and how you uh, finance, pay for care um, can play an important component in how you uh, make decisions and uh, uh, are able to care for your loved one as well as care for yourself because it can help take the burden off of you. And so uh, Corey is kind of my go-to expert uh, when uh, in all things long-term care insurance. And so that's why I wanted to have him on just to talk for a few minutes today about the role long-term care insurance can play uh, in a caregiving uh, situation. So uh, for those that aren't familiar, uh, Corey joined me a few episodes back, episode 25. We spent an entire uh, probably 45 minutes, uh, close to an hour actually, talking about uh, Corey, what he does, how he does it. Uh, but Corey, for those that haven't had the benefit of listening to that, could you give us a, like, a quick 30-second intro to who you are and what it is you do? Sure, Russ. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, be on your show here. Uh, what I do is uh, our organization helps individuals, families, executives, and their families own their future further by understanding and implementing long-term care. Um, since 2001, I've focused solely on this as a result of multiple personal experiences and uh, we use all the carriers, so we're not tied to anyone. And so uh, what we do is we marry up the client to the carrier and the right instrument that fits them underwriting wise and uh, also how they want to fund. Yeah, thanks for that. And I, uh, a couple of things you mentioned that I want to highlight. Um, a, you're, you're a broker, so you're not an agent. You're not tied to one specific carrier or one specific company, meaning um, for your clients, you can shop around and find the best coverage um, for a person's situation. Um, and B, um, you mentioned that you've got some personal life experiences that really impacted your decision to go in long-term care. Um, I know the story you've shared with us before um, uh, has a lot of moving parts and details, but could you give our listeners just a, a quick kind of uh, highlight about your personal yeah. family history? Yeah, sure. My, um, my mom and dad considered this in 1980. My dad was a very successful dentist in a small town um, but they dismissed the idea. And, um, you know, the next year, my mom was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. So, uh, you know, they found out that, hey, if, if you're not healthy, you don't get it. And we're fond of saying in our company, money pays for it, but your health buys it. And that's one of the things that people may not necessarily understand. And so my dad retired in 1998, uh, was my mom's primary caregiver. And uh, it did change the dignity of their relationship, unfortunately. And then in November of 2006, he calls me at the office and uh, he says, I have some news. I said, uh, what's that? He said, I have stage four esophageal cancer. And he died on Father's Day of 2007. And I never, I never dreamed my mom would outlive my dad, but she lived 10, almost 10 more years to the day after he died. And our expenses uh, for her were about 70000 a year. So it's $700,000 that could have easily you know, been addressed with the leverage that a long-term care insurance policy provides. And I think my dad, had he written the check, you know, probably would have paid three or four thousand dollars one or two years. And, you know, most of that seven hundred thousand dollars or all of it would have been a carrier's responsibility as opposed to us. So I'm the 
executor and closed up the estate. And, you know, that's $700,000. It didn't go to myself, my siblings, or me. Me personally, it doesn't bother me um, because mom lived the way that she wanted to live. It was her money. Um, and so I, but the fact remains, uh, had they written check for three or $4,000, that, that money, that $700,000, uh, would have been someone else's responsibility of carriers and probably not ours. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I think that really drives home the point that, uh, you bring some personal experience and history and, and motivation to helping people with this. And, let me be clear, this is not a pitch for long-term care insurance, but we do yeah. want to educate you about the fact that it can be a valuable tool in your uh, planning for retirement and your later years. Um, something you mentioned, Corey, that I, again, I want to kind of underline is that I hear oftentimes from clients that one of their biggest priorities in life is they don't want to be a burden on their children. Yeah. And I'm not saying that that was the case here, but clearly um, you and your siblings had to pick up this cost that could have otherwise been covered or at least shared by, um, you know, some planning around long term care insurance or things like that. So um, you might consider that um, this is not just insurance for you, but it's also potentially helps um, later generations, your children or maybe even your grandchildren, depending on your financial circumstances. So yeah, it. Uh, I, I like the fact that you you know brought up the education thing because you know this isn't for everybody, but I, I think it's really important and crucial for people to understand what it is and where it fits in. And if the timing may not right, it may never be right for people, but they they certainly have to stand in and get their questions answered and figure out what it is and and maybe more importantly what it isn't. Yeah, and and speaking of that. Um... Let's be clear. Um, so a lot of people mistakenly believe that once they get to age 65 and are Medicare eligible, that Medicare is going to pick up long-term care uh, costs. And um, it's my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, Corey, that uh, Medicare can cover up to 60 days, I think it is, uh, maybe in the wake of a hospitalization or something like that. But beyond that, Medicare is not there for long-term care needs or coverage or expenses. So could you maybe talk a little bit about um, the uh, the role that long-term care insurance can play uh, as a complement to Medicare or other um, uh, health insurance? Yeah, one of the things that's really important uh, is that people understand what Medicare and their private health insurance, what their role is versus long-term care. And, and Medicare and private health insurance, um, they're going to help you and provide care when you know, there's an expectation of improvement and they're going to be delivered by somebody with a lot of training. You know, many times a, a medical doctor, a registered nurse or a physical therapist, and there's expectation of improvement. Long-term care is used when, hey, we're, we're not getting better. Uh, we're just going to make the person comfortable. And so we like to give the analogy that they're like bookends. So your health insurance and Medicare, health, health insurance, Medicare, they're going to help you get better. They're delivered when there's an expectation of improvement. But those things stop when the client isn't improving. And then it's a little bit like a, a relay race. Then the baton maybe is handed off to long-term care, and then maybe there's somebody to help out and uh, make the client comfortable. But Medicare you know, will pay for the first 100 days, but there's some very specific metrics that need to be made. You know, Generally, you have to be under a care that's so inherently complex as to be delivered by a licensed medical professional. You have to have a 20-day hospital stay. You have to be getting better. And that's not long-term care in my experience. And so many times that's missed. And so if those metrics are met, then Medicare generally will pay for the first 20 days. And then from days 21 to 100, there's a copay usually. 
but remember, it's health insurance. And uh, that's a far different uh, issue than long-term care. Got it. Yeah, thanks for that explanation. And since there's a variety of people that are listening or watching this um, of different ages and different circumstances, uh, in your experience, Corey, is there a is there a good time in life or a good age at which people should really start to seriously consider uh, long-term care or at least maybe explore it and see if it makes sense for them? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, if somebody's had a prior experience for us, that's, that's really, it's one of the most powerful predictors if anybody does anything about this. If they've gone through it, they already know all the stuff we talked about probably, or most of it. Um, we, you know, we start educating people right around the age of 40, but if somebody is, I've had people in their thirties and their twenties come to me and buy the insurance because they've been through it. So the one thing to keep in mind, of course, is that variable of health. And, you know, while we're not trying to, uh, so fear it, it's a variable that we have to be clear on because, on the individual market, people are fully underwritten. They look at 10-year medical history. They look at 10-year surgical history and medications the client has taken or is taking. And so, you know, if somebody is clean, they have a lot of options, you know. But if if they're not, uh, if their medical history is more sort of involved, the options can perhaps be more limited. And so, you know, we, we as long as somebody is healthy, we've helped 80-year-olds uh, that have very, very clean history. So, um, you know, one of the things that comes up is the cost and the cost is a, a product of the person's age. There can be a two to 3% premium difference between each year and age. It's a product of the underwriting class that they're in. And it's also a, a product of, you know, what kind of a plan they want, you know, are they going to, are they going to, you know, to draw the analogy of a vehicle, if, you know, I, if I have a, a Chevy pickup that has 200,000 miles on it, that can get me to and from, but it's probably not as classy as driving a Mercedes S-Class or a, or, or a Bentley. So there's a range in how the plans can be set up and the plans can be custom built to meet any expectations of uh, budget or certain, uh, or, or certain plan design. And really, people want to know, well, what are my chances? And so, you know, I look in my family and right now they're 100%. And, um, uh, but I would hesitate to give somebody, you know, a a three, a two to three year life expectancy that's often, you know, discussed about the nursing home. The life expectancy in a nursing home is, is usually about two to three years. But what people sometimes miss is that usually people are somewhere else first for a period of time, a period of years in their home. And in many cases, making their caregivers as chronically ill as they are. So um, we, we try to get people to understand three things. And, and this isn't for everybody, but you know, agreement number one is really, hey, do you, is it your expectation to that you're going to live a long life? And, you know, if, if you look at family longevity, if you look at how people are paying attention to their health and, you know, hey, are they going to their, you know, their doctor appointments? Are they taking their medications? Are they working out? Are they taking the stairs and not the elevator? Are they eating this and not that? And, you know, you have, you know, the watches and stuff to track activity and so on. And most people, uh, that answer is yes, but this is, you know, predicated on people being reasonable, right? And uh, I think most reasonable people think that they are going to live a long life. And here's the other thing we found out with medicine. You know, the medicine has really gotten uh, very good and, and it's always been very good. But, you know, 40 years ago in Wasika, Minnesota, in the old country, if you had a heart attack or a stroke, you died. 
And that's not so anymore. And, and a big part of that is how we live in the information that's out there, but it's also uh, the expertise in the medical profession. And so agreement number one is, hey, is it your expectation that you'll live a long life? Okay. And if they agree on that, then the second agreement we try to get is, hey, is it reasonable to say that if you um, live long enough that you'll need some help at some point? And so rather than debate or argue, we, we try to help people grasp that, okay, you know, the, the longevity thing, it's, you know, kind of a good news, bad news thing. And agreement number three is, okay, well, if the long-term care issue and its associated challenges present itself to you, do you realize this really isn't about you anymore because your life isn't going to change? Someone else's does. And, you know, it's about the people emotionally and physically that have to pick up the pieces and have to drop what they're doing. And, and my brother and sister bore the brunt of that with my mom and dad, many times with no notice, many times without regard to, you know, what they wanted to do with their free time. Uh, you know, they all work, they have kids. And so there's more variables there for them than, than I ever have because we don't have kids. Um, so, and then finally, you know, there's a secondary set of issues beyond the emotional and physical, and that is financial. Somebody has to pay for it. And uh, so, you know, I think it's really about, you know, we have to be good enough to create an air of consultative engagement where people can speak freely and get their questions answered. Yeah. You covered a lot there. Uh, one thing I want to pull out, though, is the idea of self-care for the caregiver. Uh, cl clearly, if it's your spouse or an aging parent, you want to give them the, the care and attention and, and make them as comfortable as possible. But you also want to make sure that you don't endanger your own health, uh, mental yes. well-being, financial, uh, financial status um, in, in, a, in an effort to take care of your loved ones. So it's about striking a balance and trying to care for uh, everyone, everyone involved, which is easier said than done. Um, you're, yeah, you're, you're 100% right about that. And that's sometimes somebody that's been through it. You know, we would, um, in our case, you know, I live in Atlanta here, you know, same city that you live in. My parents lived in Southern Minnesota. My brother and sister lived in St. Paul, 120 miles away, roughly. And so if you're in the same city, delivering care can be challenging, but, you know, you throw in that curveball of geography, Russ, it adds a, a, an additional level of complexity. And of course, in Minnesota in the winter, you know, the roads can be impassable. Um, and so, you know, th there, that, that was a significant variable, I think, for us. And of course, my mom, with her um, uh, circumstances, really couldn't help. My dad, not because she didn't want to, but because physically she was unable. And my dad was six foot, six foot three and 250 pounds. So, you know, I mean, so that's an additional layer of complexity. And I think the other thing here is that, you know, we all have busy, busy lives. I think I, I'm not going to say that my life is busier than the next person. I think that's presumptuous and, and probably rude, but we all have things we want to do. And one of the things that long-term care provides is a game plan. And somebody that does it every day can say, hey, Russ, here's kind of the next thing that's going to happen with this client. Um, here's the way I'm going to get out ahead of it. And here's kind of, they can anticipate things. They can deal with things. And they have the expertise, just kind of like what you, you do with your clients with uh, the market and, and investing. Russ, you know all the questions you're going to get asked. So you can prepare and you, you know, you're comfortable that you can make everything conversational. But if you don't have the training, it, 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 it adds an additional layer of complexity. And I found myself many times thinking, you know, trying to help out. And, and I realized that I had three pots of coffee that day, but you know, I hadn't eaten anything. 
And, um, you know, I think if my dad were here, he'd say, well, you know, it's not going to hurt you to miss a meal or two. But the point is, it's easy to get so engrossed and trying to figure out, hey, what's the next thing? And, and how can I be valuable? And how can I help? And how can I make my loved one comfortable? And you kind of forget about yourself. And you know, having a long-term care plan, you know, first of all, it's, it's taking a wholesale uh, approach to this as opposed to retail. My family took the retail approach and I told you the numbers on that. You know, if you take a wholesale approach, you might buy a plan for several thousand dollars a year or whatever budget you set to that. And it can, you know, provide, uh, you know, usually hundreds of thousands of dollars more than what you pay in and in care if you need it. So the leverage is um, not to be uh, not not to be dismissed. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, first of all, Corey, thank you. Always enjoy talking to you. And I'm really happy that you could join us for uh, an installment of this series on caregiving. And I, I think that while we probably just scratched the surface on all the moving yeah. parts, I would encourage anyone that's listening to or watching this to go back and listen to episode 25, where Corey and I did a much deeper dive and, and covered a, a broader uh, array, array of topics related to long-term care, caregiving, uh, things of that nature. Um, so Corey, thank you. If if people want to learn more about you or get in touch or start a dialogue around their situation and how you may be able to help, what's the best way for people to get in touch? Yeah, they could give me a call on my mobile at 678-814-5088, or they can email me at Corey at, and this is all one word, thelongtermcareplanninggroup.com. Uh, either way, we're happy to help and answer any questions that folks may have. Yeah, and that's uh, Corey is C O R E Y um, for uh, for those that want to reach out, and I'll I'll be sure to include your number, your email, and your website in the show notes for this episode. Um, before we wrap up, any closing thoughts? Anything else you wanna you wanna add before we wrap it up today, Corey? I think I, I think you've done a great job of setting this up, and I think you know if people have questions, you need to find someone that's going to answer your questions and is going to help. And part of that is realizing you know what this is. Uh, but also realizing, you know, the timing, it may or may not be right. Um, but you have to engage someone that is going to spend the time with you and answer your questions and, and tell you kind of how it all fits into your, uh, to your overall picture. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Uh, great, great place to wrap things up. Thanks for uh, joining us uh, today, everyone, and uh, look forward to catching you on our episode, uh, next episode of Women's Retirement Radio. Thanks. Thanks, Ross. Appreciate it. It's Russ again, and before you go, I want to provide a brief disclosure. You should consult a financial advisor familiar with the specific circumstances of your unique financial situation before making any financial decisions. Nothing in this broadcast constitutes a solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities. Any mentioned rates of return are historical or hypothetical in nature and are not a guarantee of future returns. I'm a financial advisor and an investment advisor representative of Wealthcare Capital Management, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor based in Richmond, Virginia. The views discussed in this podcast are my own and may not be consistent with or represent those of Wealthcare Capital Management.